report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. And today, we're excited to welcome back to the show, Aaron. Aaron, welcome back. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Aaron, thanks for thanks for joining us. Um, of course, host of Star Wars Bookworms, one of our, our, our favorite book podcasts. Uh, excited to have you back. Yeah, I've been on a bit of a hiatus in a few of my podcasts because of things you know yeah. star wars bookworms we've been kind of on a break because we both got covid kind of back Ouch. to back and so that kind of you know took it out around. of us for a bit yeah yeah mm-hmm. so but uh yeah so it's good to kind of be back on the microphone because it's it's actually been a couple months since i've recorded a podcast well we're excited to honor that you would come back and make your grand debut with us <laughs> my, my <laughs> we're glad to have you on feeling better no yeah oh, thank you yeah definitely glad you're glad you're feeling better it's been it's been going around um yeah no it's i'm i'm excited i'm, I'm looking forward to, to diving into the the full seat i don't really know where it whether they call it like the first season or just the show you know so the the season whatever it is might be one might be the only one might be more but I was, it'll be fun to fun to discuss it mm. the book we call it the book yes yeah the book <laughs> either the either first chapter the, of the book or the only book <laughs> or it could be the one volume we never know right yeah that's a good point yeah maybe they'll just call them volumes i don't know yeah but whatever it is uh i guess i guess we'll see um first before we dive into the show two two exciting things well exciting at least for me because i think at this point listeners know how much i love the music John Williams is coming back to compose the theme for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. That's, I, I mean, I'm just impressed that John Williams is still continuing to compose Star Wars music Did, at 90 years old. That's amazing. Hadn't he retired? Yeah. I got, that's pretty cool. I yeah, think he I mean, goes back right, and forth. As a non-music person, uh, yeah, I, I give that a thumbs up. I'm excited to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so excited! Because uh, you know he did um, he did the Galaxy's Edge theme. I think was that that was after retirement, I believe. Right? Do you remember? I can't remember. And then he I, did sure. the. Let's go with that. Uh, yeah, I. Yeah. And then I think, did, Di- I think one more right. Disney Aaron? movie will bring their Disney money will bring anybody out of retirement, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think so. Yep. Um. But no, I'm excited. John Williams is he's he's the best, the best of the best. And so I guess we don't know who's doing the rest of the music for that show. But uh, John Williams will be doing at least the theme. Uh, And then for the Andor show, another soundtrack news, Nicholas Brattel. And I I love soundtracks. I'm not actually familiar with him, but I guess he did uh, Underground Railroad and Succession, uh, the soundtrack for those shows and a few other things. Um but uh, he will be composing the score for Andor, which is still supposed to come out later this week, this year. So I'm excited. 
Lots of good. Is stuff. Obi-Wan coming out this year too? May 25th. Yeah, May 25th. Oh, That's right. They did yeah. announce that. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to man. do a, a watch party at Celebration. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's right then. Is like, everybody here review. going to Celebration? Yes. Pardon? Everyone on this call going to Celebration? Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll good. be there. So, I mean, I'm trying to think. I think I. I fly out like early Wednesday morning and the show drops on that the same day. So I'm like, Oh, did I, mm-hmm. did I download it on my, on my computer and then, you know, watch it on the plane or do we all wait and watch together when we arrive? Ooh, I don't know. It's um, stay up till William, midnight. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, William, I'm going to tell you honestly right now, I am taking Wednesday off. So I'm watching it at midnight nice, Wednesday. Nice. I'm so it'll be great. I'm excited. You West coasters have that like option. Right, you can stay up till midnight and watch these things, but out here on the East Coast, we have to stay up till three a.m. So it's oh, a little that, bit that's, less. Or just that's go to hard. sleep early Even, and then wake up early. As right? much as yeah. I want to, I'm getting older. I used to be able to do that, watch it oh, midnight God, thing. Now it's like, now I start to fall asleep. I'm like, oh, okay, I can't, <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> as much as I want to, there were a couple episodes of the Book of Boba Fett where I tried to watch it at midnight, and I ended up pausing halfway through and finishing it the next morning. <laughs> Yeah, I usually watch it in the morning over a bowl of cereal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I get to work. There's nobody there. I pop it on and watch it there. Nice. Totally works for me. I use their Wi-Fi. It's a lot faster. <laughs> oh, oh, did I say that? Sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, speaking of Book of Boba Fett, Tom, I think, I think people know what we're talking about, but you want to lead us yeah. into our discussion? Yeah, what we're going to be doing tonight is we are reviewing a full season rundown of the Book of Boba Fett, season one, written by John Favreau. And as everyone knows, it was it was following the famous bounty hunter Boba Fett and the mercenary Fennec Shand as they navigate the underworld when they return to Tatooine to claim Jabba the Hutt's old turf. Yes. So, Aaron, I guess we, we the, the listeners they've heard us t- talking about Book of Boba Fett. Uh, for the last seven weeks, but what what have you what do you think about the show? I'd love love to get your thoughts. We'll kick it off well, with that your your high level sure. impression, and we'll we'll dive into the details on the show. I'll I'll wax eloquent for the next forty five minutes. <laughs> yeah, nice monologue. Uh, no, but uh, there will be a quiz, right? I, I want to study, <laughs> make sure I understand right. No, I to to give a little bit of background, like Boba Fett is a character that I absolutely love, mm. and I really loved him. You know, being a fan of the old legend stuff, I really liked what they did with the character in Legends. Now they kind of did a lot with the character in Legends, so there's a couple different versions of him. But I really kind of liked where they were going toward the end of Legends uh, with him as a character, and so when. When the new canon stuff came out and they kind of wiped away the idea that Boba Fett actually survived, it was kind of a bummer for me. And so when he showed up in The Mandalorian, that was like one of the most memorable <laughs> things for me as a fan to kind of have that like, OK, he's back like for real this time. Like this is real canon, right? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's it's on TV. And um so I was super excited that that character came back. And then when they announced that he was getting his own little spinoff show, I was surprised that they were going to give us even more content focused directly on him. And then the fact that Tamir Morrison's playing him was was amazing. Because mm-hmm. that was kind of always on my wish list of Star Wars things, that if they ever brought Boba Fett back, that he would be playing him. And so then when that actually happened, it was kind of like, oh, wow, I never thought that would come true. 
And so, yeah, so when they announced the show, I was actually a little hesitant because I'm like, he's a character that feels like a character that should be a secondary character. Like, I don't know if he can carry a show on his own. And I was a little nervous for what the show would be. So I guess that's kind of... And it turned out to be one of those things where my fears were somewhat legitimate, I think. Mm -hmm. that I don't know that he's a character that can really carry a show. And this show didn't prove me wrong. At least that's my my outlook on it yeah. overall. So I'll say that for now, and then you know, we, <laughs> we can continue to talk about things as you guys bring it up. But No, it's a great point, because I think he is a fantastic uh, secondary character. Like In The Mandalorian, he is amazing. Uh, and of course in the movies and in the clone wars and et cetera, like he's just, he's a great character. Um, and I really like Boba Fett as well. And I thought the, the premise for this show was really interesting where, you know, it's kind of a more of an underworld style show. And I guess I was a bit surprised it ended up being less about the underworld than I had maybe expected. Um, so I'd say that's it's a great example of how important it is to uh, establish the right expectations with mm-hmm. uh, viewers before the show comes out. And I don't mean like what in terms of quality even, but in terms of uh, we didn't get a lot of information about what Book of Boba Fett was going to be beyond the initial kind of tease of Boba Fett taking over Jabba's throne, which definitely hits it kind of an underworld theme. And then we even in the first trailer, I felt like one of the big standout scenes is the Boba Fett at the mob boss dinner kind of sequence. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and those all kind of read, you know, to the four, three, four of us, I can count. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to this is Boba Fett as, you know, taking a step up in the criminal underworld. Mm-hmm. And w- I think even setting aside other potential issues. I think that still would have caused an issue when that's, I, I'd have, I don't know that I could say that's what the show was actually about. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I could say what the show was about at all, um, which we'll get to in more detail, but I, I think setting the, I think they led with the wrong foot forward. They gave us a, a, a an amazing post-credit stinger and then kind of went in a different direction. Totally agree. That, that was one thing I, I believe I mentioned throughout this we the reviews if he was going to be a godfather or you know the head don he would need to have lieutenants and when they showed that trailer of basically the heads of the families you would figure at some point they would end up being his lieutenants underneath it and that would make the criminal underworld but it didn't happen that way because that mafia feel that they set up to me in that trailer it fell through and it really didn't work it felt it felt so small mm-hmm. in a lot of yes. ways. And when you when you're watching Return of the Jedi and you you kind of see Jabba and you you're given this information about his organization, it just feels very like a big deal. You know, he's got all these denizens, you know, in his palace. He's got you know bounty hunters coming and going and checking in, and it just seems like he's a big deal. But when when Boba Fett took over the throne. It was like, where'd all that stuff go? You know, mm-hmm. it felt like there should have been some continuation of what was going on with Jabba. And then I guess, you know, kind of passed on to, to Bib. But yeah, it just felt like, okay, Boba Fett showed up, but there's no one else other than these two Gam- Gamorreans, you know? And right. 
and it's like where'd everybody go i think a particularly telling sequence is in uh i think it's episode four where we get the flashback where boba and fennec shan kind of infiltrate bib fortuna's palace um and steal back uh the the fire spray gunship um there's even those sequences felt i'd say empty Mm-hmm. Like if you and I think the gold standard for what we expect out of Jabba's palace is, you know, the sequence where Luke and, you know, Leia or, you know, Leia disguised as Boosh um, arrive in episode six where it's busy. There is a lot going on. It also, uh, I think, a point of not everything is focused on Jabba at the time. You feel like there are people who are just hanging out and want to be around, you know, the big crime lord. And none of that is present at any point throughout the show, either mm-hmm. Boba's uh palace or in bib fortuna's palace mm-hmm. and it yeah it le- i like your use of the word empty because it's a very apt description of uh i think what they were struggling with here yeah and i i, I totally agree and i think you could almost you know you could attempt to justify it in one of two ways there's obviously the the easy oh it's just budget right uh that's that's one thing um but even from a story perspective i mean i guess you could try to make the argument that well after Jabba died, all that stuff disappeared. Uh, and, and you know, Bib Fortuna was kind of ruling over a much smaller, kind of a, just the scraps of whatever Jabba had. Um, but even even then, you know, when, when Boba Fett kills Bib Fortuna and takes it over, it's it becomes even smaller. And there's right. it's so little that you almost wonder, what's in it for Boba? Like, what does he actually get by killing Bib Fortuna? Um, and which I think is, is one of the, the biggest struggles with the show is kind of like the, the explaining Boba Fett's motivations. And he's a very silent character. And I, so I think that's okay on some level, but when he's such a different character than we've ever seen him before, and I get, they're probably trying to separate him from the Mandalorian now. Um, I think that was what was so weird to me, at least in the first ep- first four episodes of so four and three and a half was like, why why what is he doing what why does he want this and and that combined with the sense that this Jabba's empire is now so much smaller he's not this gangster ruling over mm-hmm. all of Tatooine or even the whole sector right it's just like to, it sounds like basically Mos Espa and some of the surrounding areas he's kind of like a small time uh you know it's a small time hoodlum <laughs> yeah it's that's the exact word i had in my head yeah, yeah i mean it's it's a small time hoodlum i mean you you brought up valid points. If you're going to to be that kind of crime lord, what when he went to his his he was trying to get lieutenants or the families, he really didn't offer them anything. He didn't have anything over their heads to say, okay, you, I know you you've got your hands in this. Mm-hmm. And if you've got your hands in this, well, guess what? I know how I can sit here and take it away from you because you left this exposed. You over here. You've got your hands in this. Well, guess what? I he 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 never had anything to hang over the families. So why were the families going to follow him other than I'm going to come in? I you know pay me for protection. Well, the families have their own people to protect themselves. Why give that money to Boba Fett? Yeah. One of the big things he kept saying was he wanted to rule with respect rather than fear. And I'm curious, Aaron, especially as such a big fan of Boba Fett, what did you think of this uh, direction for for Boba and kind of how we saw his character evolve throughout this season? He he felt like he was in over his head the 
the whole time. And I did miss that edge. Like Boba Fett to me has always been a character that he's ruthless. He'll kill you. Like he'll shoot you right in the face, but he does have some honor as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe they were trying to say that he's been changed so much because of his experience with the, with the Tuscans that he's different now. So maybe he's not as ruthless as he used to be, but I did miss that about the character because he felt soft. Like he just felt like, you know, he's walking through the streets, he's going and visiting the different places and there never seemed to be any kind of gravitas with him. Mm -hmm. Like he just seemed like he's just some guy. And I think that for him to kind of take over that role to be a crime lord, I mean, I think he even referred to himself as a crime lord at one point. You can't be a nice crime lord. (laughs) So either choose to not be, you know, like if he's turned over a new leaf and he's not going to be, you know, kind of involved in the criminal organization anymore and go the fully honorable route, then do it. But if you're going to still stay in that crime kind of aspect and try to, you know, be a new crime lord, you kind of got to be a jerk and kind of be mean and kill people from time to time. So, yeah. And with as small as his, as the, his, you know, criminal empire is at this point, why not just like run for mayor of Mos Espa or something? <laughs> well, and, and you know what, you've got a valid point there because at least if he ran for mayor of Mos Espa, he could have at least built some kind of reputation. And then at that point he could have gone after the families to find out their dirt and he'd have something at some point to hang over them saying, well, because I ended up being mayor, it gave me an opportunity to look into your organizations and find all your dirt. That would have been actually pretty interesting, I think. You know, him mm-hmm. trying to like take down these criminal organizations from the inside or from, from the inside, but from, you know, in a, in a more honorable way. That could have been fascinating. Yeah. Or he could have partnered with Cobb Van, mm-hmm. like, you know. Yes. The whole spice thing seemed to be an issue with both of them. So why not have there be some sort of partnership where he is doing it more from a, you know, kind of law side of things, like the lawman, the local mm-hmm. sheriff, you know, that he could he could help with that side of things as opposed to trying to do it through the criminal organization. Uh, but I guess from a entertainment perspective, we wouldn't have gotten the whole scene where he came in and killed Bib Fortuna and took over the throne, which was right. pretty cool. Sure. So you kind of, you know. You, you can see where Lucasfilm's going with it, uh, but at the same time, his personality or persona didn't quite live up to, I think, what it would have had to be in order for him to really take over that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that's a that's a great that's a great point, because the one of the interesting things about this show is the structure. Uh, this show relies very heavily on flashbacks, which Star Wars really typically doesn't do a lot of um but uh you know this episode kept cutting back and forth between you know boba fett in the present and his past presumably so they could tell the story of how he actually escaped the sarlacc um with a couple episodes of the mandalorian thrown in for uh for good measure so it's kind of like the (laughs) the three pieces really um i i will obviously go and talk about the 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 details of each of those three um, uh, storylines in, in more detail, but at a high level, what did you guys think of the series structure as a whole? Starting, given that we we they kind of kicked off the show with the killing of Bib Fortuna, and then t- started this series immediately after that. 
So on its own, I don't think it's inherently a bad idea. Um, I'll say I think the flashbacks for me were probably some of the most interesting parts of it. Mm-hmm. But they also suffer because I think every minute they spent on the flashbacks, for as good of the, as those scenes were, I feel like they were taking away from the present story, which is, as we just talked about, was in need of something more than we actually got. And so I end up looking back, especially, I end up feeling frustrated because, like, episode two, um, where we get, you know, these long sequences of Boba with the Tusken Raiders, part, probably one of the highlights of the season for me in terms of Boba Fett's story, especially, but kind of irrelevant to the story they were trying to tell as a whole. And the time, I think, would have been better used if they'd spent it beefing up the present day instead of doing stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. And and I think for me, see, I, I would take this point. If you're going to do the past story, I would have started the series that way instead of doing any kind of flashback and then see him go from that aspect going into this aspect to where you do see him at one point walk in to Jabba's palace and take out Bib Fortuna. Because at that point, they could at least establish why he was going to do it. Yes, they got the flashbacks. You saw his training. You figured out how he was saved, how he ended up you know, becoming, let's say, part Tuscan, part Mandalorian because of the cultures. But at some point, they could have dealt in some story that gave him a reason to go after uh, Jabba the Hutt I'm sorry, Bib Fortuna, and take over his 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 throne and Jabba's empire, because that would have built the story, mm-hmm. and then they would have gone present day. I was okay with the flashbacks. I thought it was it was important for us to kind of see the progression, like see how he survived. I think we mm-hmm. all kind of assumed kind of how he survived. It was kind of cool to see the mm-hmm. details. I'd literally seen him like inside of the Sarlacc, yeah, yeah, and you know, kind of fighting his way out. And then, you know, the stuff with the the Tuscans was interesting, but kind of like Steven said, there wasn't a lot of payoff with what happened with the Tuscans. Like, mm. it, it seemed to shape him, you know, somewhat. He went through this kind of spiritual journey. He got a cool new stick, but it didn't really, you know, once he, I mean, he kind of caused their death and they got wiped out. And then he just kind of went on and did other stuff. And it didn't seem to really lead into the what end up happening with the rest of the story and i was kind of waiting for that what's the connection like what's the connection is he going to go back to the tuscans now the ones that are still out there and do something with them or try to help them now because he has more power but they really didn't do anything else with them they just kind of wiped them out and then moved on Mm -hmm. that moment in episode four where boba says like okay we i've avenged the tuscan raiders i've retrieved my ship now i need to find my armor and then the almost like hard cut to present day and then not dealing with it all, I thought was very emblematic of that issue. Because mm-hmm. it you're the, it was almost like they had they wanted to do a Boba Fett prequel to what we saw in Mandalorian season two. And that got them, eh, call it two episodes worth of content. And they had like about two episodes worth of content for the present day. And instead of... Uh, uh, making a decision between them. They're like, yeah, oh, we'll just kind of combine them and hope that it all works out. Yeah. And I, th- you know, I, I agree. And Aaron, y- your point is a really good one about how they, you know, they never really used the Tuscan Raiders. And um, I felt like that was kind of a recurring problem throughout the series or, or, or they didn't go as big as they could have, right. Where they, the the Tuscan Raiders were used merely as a plot device to show why Boba Fett 
is you know kind of changed his personality um but they you know it, it would have been fascinating to see him establish a relationship with the other tuscan bands right or or try to you know unite the tuscans on tatooine and and bring them in to you know uh, uh be more connected with everything else going on or um in some of the other storylines, figuring out who who is running the Pikes, right? Why were mm-hmm. the Pikes trying? Why were the Pikes there? Um, I think it felt like in, in all of the questions they brought up were interesting, but then they resolved them too quickly, or they just they kept them at the smallest scope possible. And Star Wars doesn't always have to be the you know oh my gosh the world that galaxy is going to end, right? You you can't always do that. You have to have the smaller stories. But I felt like in this case it was almost too small. And and it just felt very, um, kind of empty, you know. And like they like they mm-hmm. just didn't go as far as they could have, and got the didn't go do the really more compelling story. Mm-hmm. And one of the big plot points at the end of the season was that they needed more people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fight. yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. you have like you know you've already made that connection that Boba Fett has a connection with the Tuscans now. How cool so that it's like they helped him. You know, yeah, yes. right. Like if he had, you know, if he had continued that relationship or gone out to the other tribes, and you know, kind of built some sort of a, a friendship or agreement or whatever, and then they show up at the end, you know, instead yeah. of, instead of, not that you don't want Mando to show up because you know that was cool, but you know the people of Freetown showed up. We don't have any. We don't care about the people mm-hmm. of Freetown. Like we haven't had any mm-hmm. connection with them other than a short conversation with the bartender. So it would have been way cooler for Tuscans to show up than the Freetown people. Totally agree. And, and I think it would have paid off. Yeah, it would have paid it off his paid off that storyline. Story yeah. Yeah. I I couldn't oh. agree more. And I think... I'll... Go ahead, Stephen. Go ahead, Stephen. So I was going to say, the other thing I would call out is, and this goes back to setting expectations, we spent like three episodes talking about the war coming to Mos Espa. And tons of shots of pikes getting off of ships and coming together. And I thought it was telling uh, that that final the final war didn't really feel like much of a war. We had no. a couple of people from Freetown who we didn't care about and a bunch of nameless pikes and two large droids. Um, it was, yeah, another place, I think, where it was missing some payoff. At best, a yeah. skirmish. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It just fell flat. Yeah, no, it's true. And, yeah. and for me, I've said it, it just it for that amount of people, it lasted way too long. And it was just way too drawn out. Yeah. It I mean, would have been so much better, like it like you mentioned, if the Tuscans were to have come in. Right. Or like or seeing, you know, if Boba Fett did gain the respect they kept hammering on talking about how, oh, he he doesn't have the respect of the people, right? And if he mm-hmm. if they had maybe risen up with him, the Tuscan Raiders had come in to help the the people of Mas Espa, uh, you know, they they took up arms to help defend their city uh, with alongside Boba. That would have been super interesting, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and while it was a long battle, and I did enjoy many aspects of the battle, you know, it was it was cool to see the big droids and everything. Uh, <laughs> of course, the Rancor is cool, right? Um, yeah. But it, I think it would have made the. Uh, it would have kind of brought everything together better than just saying, okay, here's a, you know, we're being saved by this random city we saw in another show and that's it, you know? And, and that actually brings me to another thing. I think 
the third part of the show, if you will. And I talked about this, or we talked about it, I should say, uh, when we reviewed the episode, but I felt like it was a pretty big miss that in the Mandalorian's own show, or excuse me, oh, there you go. Uh, there's the Freudian slip. In Boba Fett's own show, when it's time to go and get reinforcements, it's not Boba Fett who goes and gets them, it's the Mandalorian. Yeah. And I think that was, I think you're right, Aaron. It was kind of inevitable that the Mandalorian was going to show up here, but I, I kind of wish he hadn't, or I wish he hadn't taken over the show for effectively a third of its the entire show's runtime. Aaron, yeah, what, what were your thoughts on the the surprise Mandalorian season two point five? It it was an interesting decision. Like I get why you bring that character in because he's the Mandalorian. He, he's you know that the reason we even have the Book of Boba Fett is because mm-hmm. the Mandalorian show is so successful. And so we know this character is popular. Bringing him in made sense. Now, to the extent that they brought him in, I feel like they... I'm kind of wondering if that was the original plan. I don't know mm-hmm. if maybe these episodes were meant to be part of the Mandalorian season three, and then after they filmed them, they were like, you know, these actually would kind of fit, you know, in what's going on with the Boba Fett show, you know, and they refilmed some stuff to make it work. I don't know, because it just... It, felt so much like those were Mandalorian episodes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they were never intended to be Boba Fett episodes that you do start to question, like what's the behind the scenes? Like what yeah. will we find out eventually mm-hmm. when they do kind of the, the behind the scenes documentary 10 years from now, you know, what will we find out really what happened? Because it just, it felt so out of place. You know, we had a whole episode, you know, where he's going and talking to Ahsoka and Grogu's there and Luke's there. I mean, it didn't feel like Boba Fett at all. So, yeah, it was a weird decision, but those episodes were cool. Oh, yeah. But you're yeah. missing it, the opportunity to flesh out your main character. It, it's hard. Yeah. Cause, like, I'm, a, I'm of two minds. Like, on the when I look at those episodes, as a fan of The Mandalorian, I loved those episodes. Those were incredible episodes. Um, like, seeing Luke back and Grogu and Ahsoka and, you know, uh, finding out, okay, how Boba Fett gets you know his new ship and there's just so much to sorry boba fett mandalorian gets his dinjarin gets his new ship there's so much i loved about those two episodes but in the context of the book of boba fett it felt wrong it felt out of place and i honestly wonder how people who only watch the mandalorian will feel and what they'll think when they see you know some huge developments all of a sudden that have happened off screen I know I know many people I've talked to who, you know, they didn't they weren't as thrilled by the the more gritty underworld, very alien heavy, you know, uh, beginnings of this show, which is Tatooine. Right. And we love that kind of stuff, uh, but not not all, not the more casual viewer doesn't the more casual fan uh, may mm-hmm. not always like it. And I know a lot of people who are, weren't really thinking about continuing the show and continuing watching. And I told them. Okay, you, no, you need to keep watching it at the very, if you hate the current what you're seeing so far, at the very least watch chapters five and six at minimum. <laughs> if you don't, if you, as long as you, if you like the Mandalorian, just watch chapters five and six. Ideally, watch the mm-hmm. whole thing, but at least just watch five and six. It's a very interesting uh, decision. Do you think episodes five and six work on their own? Like, if you just showed someone episodes five and six without any other context? Yes. Yes. I think if you watch The Mandalorian, I, go to episodes five and six, and then go back to The Mandalorian, you would not miss anything. I I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think episode five works so well on its own. 
you don't need to know anything about that character because the only thing that would be a question would be the Darksaber. But other than that, it laid so much of the story of Mando right in front of you in, in that episode. You would fall in love with that character from from first watch. Oh, I, I, I guess, sorry, I, I need to amend my earlier statement, though. I guess what I would say is the, the only weird thing is that Grogu does decide to show up in the finale and makes his decision. So you wouldn't see his choice. Right. Uh, and it was reunion with Mando, which would be a little weird. But then, you know, it's implied that he's going to make that choice at the end of five. Uh, sorry, chapter six. And so I guess if you're just watching The Mandalorian, you might be like, okay, I, I get I get that. Um, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's necessary to see. You know, if, if, you, if you, I think you could just watch five and six and be okay. I don't know, Aaron. I, I guess what they're trying to tell us now is you can't, you can't not watch this stuff. Like yeah. if you right. really want the full story, it's kind of like the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. You can pick and choose what movies you watch, but if you don't watch them all, you're going to be missing some stuff. Like there's going to be, you're going to go end up watching, you know, the latest Spider-Man movie and being like, wait, I never watched Dr. Strange. What's going on here? You know? <laughs> and so I think that's kind of what they're saying with this, these Lucasfilm TV shows as well is like, Hey, these are all interconnected. Ahsoka is probably going to be just as interconnected to this stuff. Mm. If you don't watch Mando, if you don't watch Book of Boba Fett, if you don't watch Ahsoka, you're going to be missing some big pieces of stuff. So you better just go ahead and watch them. <laughs> and I think for for a guy like me who kind of got out of the comic books because of that reason, they could lose people that way because I sometimes just like a self-contained story. I I like thing. I'm going to say this. The CW shows I like when they just do the crossovers and then they go back to their own shows. They are kind of interconnected, but the crossovers make them interconnect, and then boom, they're all back on their own shows, and you can follow that show. To have it completely interconnected with everything, it it it's it's hard for us. It's easy to follow, but for somebody who's getting new to this stuff, it could get fatiguing for somebody, and they could say. Well, if I miss this episode, I miss that episode. I don't know what's going on, so I don't know anymore. I'm bored. I'm tuning out. I think that's where they got to be careful. So I think the risk, the other risk here, and this is something I'd say Marvel's generally done fairly well at, is uh, when if you're going to ask people to make that type of leap, you need to make sure it's all good, uh, yeah, and enjoyable. And if you were if you were a fan of the Mandalorian, but not a huge fan of Boba Fett, I think you would come into the show and leave fairly unhappy. Uh, and especially it's not even that the show as a whole is off, but it, like it just, even going from episodes one through four, then you get episodes five and six and then back to seven, the, the cuts between those is incredibly jarring. The, yep. the style of directing feels different. The budget feels different. The level of quality feels different. Um, it's it's missing stuff. And it just, it makes it tough. And I'm, we talked about this a little bit, I think, earlier on. I keep saying that, but I, it's also true. Um, I'm really curious to see what it looks like in uh, what Mandalorian Season 3 looks like, assuming it's called Season 3, because maybe they'll consider mm-hmm. this Season 3. I don't know. Um, I, I wonder if they finished up season two, they knew, uh, that season three was going to be a little bit longer to get to than they originally thought it was going to be. And they made a choice to, oh, we'll take some of what we've already shot and done for season three of Mandalorian and we'll just kind of cut some Boba Fett stuff around it. Um, I mean, obviously I don't know for sure if that happened, but I, 
I suspect when we watch Mandalorian season three, we'll get a pretty good idea of uh, what might have happened. And kind of circling back to some of the interconnected universe stuff, I think we need to remember as well how much the Mandalorian leaned on stuff that was from the animated shows. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is true. And people that never watched those, you know. So I think they've kind of already gone down that road. It's like, if you watch everything, you're going to get a fuller experience. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't just ask your friend what's going on, yeah. because right. like when Cad Bane showed up, people like us were like, oh, my gosh, it's Cad Bane. Other people were probably like, OK, that's a weird looking alien. Mm-hmm. You know, why are we excited about him? You know, because they never heard of Cad Bane. You know, they never right. seen him before because they've only watched The Mandalorian. So, yeah, it's it is all very it's cool as a yeah. fan of big universes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you followed it all, which I'm pretty sure everybody on this call probably has watched everything you know, from the animated shows to the live action um, that, yeah, it's 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 paying off for us, for us diehards. But for, you know, the more casual fans, it's it is going to be an interesting ride. Yeah. 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 I'd be very interested to see. And you make a, you make an excellent point. You know, I think in the past that only, we only, you know, it was always a show would end and then a character would appear in a later show or a prequel show or whatever it was. And this is the first time we have multiple simultaneous shows happening around the same time period. And so I think that's why it feels so new and so different. You know, I think there is probably a a good way of doing it where, you know, characters can show up, but maybe like not have huge character development uh, uh, versus saying, oh, everything happens in this in this other show. Um, I don't know, but. It's uh, yeah. I, as as fans, I I like it. Like I love seeing Ahsoka, you mm-hmm. know, seeing Luke. Oh my gosh, that that was incredible. I know I said it earlier. Seeing Luke was amazing. Uh, I think I think the best thing for the casual fan when it came to Luke, and let's take like Ahsoka and Cad Bane out of it. But when the casual fan watched that episode of Luke, they got to see a lot of Empire in that because they got to see some training that kind of mirrored what he and Yoda did back in that time yeah so that for a casual fan was probably pretty cool but you know the ahsoka thing popping up it would be like okay yeah i did see her here in mandalorian makes sense here um but i think i think with the luke i'm happy that when it came to the final episode he didn't appear and i'm happy that was just he was just there had the establishment but the one thing that's frustrating and i'm going to bring it up now when it came to Grogu's choice, it, it's frustrating because like you would think Luke would want to take the Jedi Order on a different path, like in the Legends universe. And he wouldn't have to give Grogu a choice and say, if you take this path, then that means you you are here. Like if you go to the Mandalorian, but if you stay with the Jedi, then that means there's no attachment, no this, no that, no that. And it's like he's taking the order down the same path again. That was frustrating. Yeah, I completely agree. I, it was frustrating for me as well. Luke felt, Luke felt off, and like exactly like you said, it didn't seem like they were learning from the failures of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And he has Ahsoka right there with him, right? So he can learn from her. You know, he and she is somebody who left the Order. You know, so why would you know? Kind of, you have to assume that she's giving him some advice, or at least filling him on some history that they maybe would change some of the philosophy. 
Yeah. And so it did. It felt too much like, okay, this is exactly what we've already seen with previous Jedi. Luke doesn't seem to be growing. And maybe that's why everything fails again. I don't know. But it it was a little frustrating to watch. Um, And I, I think just in general, the idea of Grogu, you know, the whole idea of them getting Grogu to the Jedi and then they just kind of switched it back. You know, Luke's just like, oh, okay, what do you want to do, Grogu? Grogu is like a baby. <laughs> he's an infant. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I mean, if he's not an infant, they're not portraying him very well because he acts like an infant. Mm-hmm. He and, and for Luke to leave that decision up to him seems odd that they wouldn't just say, all right, let's, let's hang on to this guy for a little bit and see if we can train him as opposed to being like, hey, little guy, do you want to go back to your father? Like, what do you think he's going to say? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Do, it's like, do you th- it's like, go, go ahead. I was going to say, Aaron, do, uh, do you think that uh, that's a result of fan response to Grogu in season one, maybe? Absolutely. Yes. They know that Grogu is their, he's their most popular thing that was unexpected. I don't think they thought he was going to be as popular as he ended up being. And then once he became as popular, they're like, we got to get him back in the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the my guess is that the original intention was that he would go off with Luke and then the Mando would have, you know, kind of his own adventures after that. Um, and I think they're just like, well, he's popular. Let's bring him back. Let's put a little extra seat in that uh, that starfighter. <laughs> I think you're right. I'm with you. Yeah, I I will say one thing when it comes to that character. I'm happy when Luke sat there and did the whole thing about, hey, let's look at your past. The one thing I'm very happy is they did not show an actual planet where Grogu came from. Although, again, you got to relive Order 66 and you got to see, you know, the the 501st, all that other kind of stuff. But I'm happy they're not going there and trying to give him an actual backstory of a planet and and just let that species stay nebulous the way it is just put him back in the Jedi order Len, now let's figure out how he got out of the temple safely with especially with the 501st right in front of him me too maybe I, they had I was just gonna say maybe they had orders not to kill him I don't know you never know because the very very bright bright people got into there and took that little little scene frame by framed it and they claim in that hallway, there's a door that shows the the uh, kind of tattoo-ish things that were on Barisofi's face on the door. So they're kind of thinking that it was Barisofi that could have saved him. Because so, of a door? Yeah, because of a door off to the right. It's on, it looked like it was her room, I think, right? It looked like it was her room. Yeah, oh. it was a doorway off to the right, a door off to the right that had a the, the triangles on there, or diamonds on there, in the four kind of Barisofi style. So they're like, maybe she's the one that saved him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of I, options as to how he survived, for sure. I think it was cool to see him in the temple yeah. and see the Jedi, you know, that were trying to protect him. And none of them, we got to see their faces, so we don't really know who they are. But it was definitely a super cool scene. And yeah, who knows? Who knows how he got out of there, why he survived? Maybe he... You know, I could see there being maybe there maybe the emperor was aware of him. You know, maybe there and the emperor was like, Don't kill that one, or maybe he said, you know, 
keep a certain amount of Jedi, young Jedi, so I can maybe train them to be Inquisitors or or whatever. So um, I'm e- eager to learn more about it. Yeah, mm. you know they've got to they're going to explain that at some point. <laughs> well, that would have to be hopefully in yeah. Mando season three. Yeah. That's the other reason why he, yeah. you know, you would take him out of this uh, uh, Luke Skywalker's Academy and put him back with a Mando, other than being popular. That's- it's the, a great type of story to tell if Grogu, as you said, Aaron, was not an infant. Yeah. Like, yeah, I it's my biggest fear going into season three is not only did they it feels like bend over backwards to re-architect it and let Grogu come back into the story. But they did so in a way that uh, doesn't really give us a lot of room to do something different with him, which is unfortunate. I wish they had been kind of aging him up a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. You know, as the as the season went on or, you know, even reintroducing him in this season, like have him age up a little bit so he doesn't seem so much like an infant. It did seem I know a lot of people really liked the episode with Luke and I, I overall enjoyed it. But the training scenes to me were just super cheesy because it's like a baby. Like you're mm-hmm. you have a, a yeah. remote, yeah. a remote droid shooting lasers at a baby, you know, like it's <laughs> yeah. is that not what you do. <laughs> it just feels but, weird. It feels wrong. Yeah, like yeah. have have this guy maybe have him start to talk a little bit, or mm-hmm. you know, give us some impression that he's growing up. Maybe he's starting to hit his teen phase because that's typically you know if you see a Jedi in training, mm-hmm. they're going to be old enough to understand what's going on and be able to communicate. Mm-hmm. And this is a baby, and yeah. if they don't want us to think it's a baby, stop making him act like a baby. I mean, they mm-hmm. they do typically. I mean, at least in the animation, they would age up the characters in between seasons, mostly because they had more budget to change the character models. But I don't know, maybe it's something where we they decide, hey, now that we're in season three, we start aging him up a little bit, and this is kind of the last. But it would it would have been a better time to do it now, I guess. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The yeah, it's a it's a it's a great it's a great point though. Um, and it would also show that there was time passed between when Mando and he separated because right. it really didn't seem like there was that uh, that was not enough time to pass between that. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like it was very, very soon after. Yeah. One of the other things I thought was so interesting about the the kind of this diversion into two episodes of The Mandalorian um, was the just the stark contrast between what we had gotten so far in the book of Boba Fett and the first you know, episode of the Mandalorian duology in this, in this season, specifically the environments we went from, there's a couple things we went, you know, we went from this desert planet, which honestly I'm starting to get a little bit of Tatooine fatigue. I love Tatooine, but I'm going to, I kind of, I was kind of wanting a little bit of variety and, and you know, the, this episode of the man, you know, chapter five, when the Mandalorian is introduced, it's in space. It's a cool space station. Eventually, they do end up on Tatooine, but we get a lot more environmental variety in that in that episode. The combat seemed much faster and um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, more visceral. Um, and then the the acting, both of uh, Pedro Pascal as the Mandalorian. You know, obviously, they of course they had to like do the 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 fan favorite lines now, but between the acting and the humor and the the side characters, it seemed almost a stark contrast from the rest of the show, uh, and 
really kind of cemented, at least in my mind, how much I I like The Mandalorian as a show. Because um, it, it felt very different from from the rest of the season. Did you guys feel that at all? Or, or how did you guys feel? Yeah. I mean, I felt the same. Like, the when mm. we get that opening shot of season five with the, I'm just going to call it the Halo ring, um, it is just... Uh, like I said, a breath of fresh air, a non-dusty, arid, sandy air. Um, And I do think part of that is, like, it's not just that we've been to Tatooine before, it's that we didn't get to see a single new environment on Tatooine. Um, It's In some ways, it's kind of the classic Star Wars problem. Like, Tatooine is exactly three things. It is sand and deserty plains and, like, uh, I don't know, sto- stone sand hutches, effectively, um, and a cantina. Like, there's no reason we couldn't have gotten a cool, like, meatpacking district in Mos Espa. Like, presumably wow. there are other types of buildings in Mos Espa other than a cantina and, like, a government official's building. Um, but, like, just getting to, you know, the meatpacking district, getting the... Um, I don't know, what would the game room where he like drops the head, uh, the open space below the ring, looking out over space. Like those are all really cool environments that are really cool and they should do more of. Mm -hmm. And I think the other thing that set that episode apart was the directing. Just, it was, you could so tell with that episode, there was a different feel to it naturally because of the environment of definitely different environment. But how everything was done was so much different than being on Tatooine directing, acting all of it. And just, it sucked you into the story. I think to me a little bit better than a couple of the episodes from Tatooine and, and Boba Fett. And the Mandalorian is just more exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he shows up at this meatpacking place he goes in, you know, basically talks smack to the, you know, the leader guy that's trying to avoid him. And he's like, no, I know it's you. And everybody in here needs to leave now or I'm going to kill everybody. And he single handedly takes out this entire group of people and then chops the dude in half on his table. <laughs> like that is cool. That is exciting. Me. Meanwhile, Boba Fett is surrounded by guys who have like some Gungan energy shields and is perplexed about how to escape when he's wearing a jetpack. Exactly. I knew that was coming. And that's I, the problem, I think. Yeah, is they're yeah. they're giving all the cool stuff to Mandalorian. Yeah. And then yeah. Boba Fett kind of seems like he's this secondary guy that can't really hold his own. And they're really doing a disservice to Boba Fett in, in mm-hmm. his own show. Like yeah. I get that if you want, in the grand scheme of things, if you want Mando to be the cooler character because he's really who you're banking on, that's fine. But when you give Boba Fett his own show, let him be cool. He really didn't have that moment. I mean, not that he didn't do anything cool, but Tamara Morrison really plays him kind of low-key. He's kind of a boring character. Doesn't have a lot of personality, unfortunately. And I think the entire show suffered from that because he's kind of low-key, so is... Um, you know, what I forget, forgetting her name now, but the, uh, Fennec you know, Shan. Fennec Shan. Yeah. that's kind of a boring kind of straight laced character. 
you don't have all those exciting characters that the Mandalorian introduced. Mm-hmm. You know, not that because the Mandalorian is he's himself is very low key, but they surrounded him with funny characters, exciting mm-hmm. characters. Right. Even the villains, you know, Moff Gideon. I mean, that dude was was yeah. awesome. But yeah. who did we have in this show? Like, who were the villains that he really had to face? In a Thorian like Mare, you know, who was not didn't really do much. And then all these pikes who mm-hmm. may be the worst alien puppets they've done so far. Um, as far as their mouth movements. So I don't know. It just yeah. didn't it felt like they didn't do they didn't give Boba Fett a fair shake to make him a cool character and give him a cool cast to work with. Hundred percent agree. You're, you're, yeah, it, but but you are you are forgetting one character that I think that could have been a major foil for him that didn't work for me, and that was the mayor's second uh, se- uh, major domo or whatever it is. Yeah, that toilet guy. They tried with him, but it just did not land for me. Whatever they were trying to do with that character did not work. I f- I feel like the problem with a lot of the secondary characters in this one is they were all. Um, they were all played for laughs. Um, and, and it it didn't, the jokes didn't really land that well too. Like it was like the the Mm -hmm. watermonger was like, Oh, I'm so offended for you all constantly. And the major domo was constantly like, Oh, Oh no, it's just like, it's on the schedule. You know, we're, Oh, it's just a misunderstanding. And, and, and I felt like it was, I felt like all the side characters were almost played the exact same way. Uh, they were either, you know, they would either be dismissive of Boba and just have no personality, but or when they had personality, they were just kind of being uh, uh, a little sarcastic, a little bit, you know, disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in, in what, what I think they were, I'm assuming they were trying to go for laughs, but it just felt like it fell flat a lot of times. Um, I saw. I think that that was the the biggest struggle for me. And when they brought back in Pelimoto and they brought back in Cobb Vanth, I was like, yes, these characters are amazing. Cobb, mm. uh, uh, Cad Bane, you know, all that kind of stuff there. I just realized there is one character that we completely forgot that we did not see during the fight that I would have loved to have seen in the last episode fighting. And that was the rancor, uh, trainer. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite character never showed up after that point. Would have loved to have seen him again. Because actually, would have loved to have seen more of that. Because remember, he did have this look on his face like, yeah, you know, the Rancor sits there the first thing he sees. He always bonds with that person. That's where you look at it just going, the look on his face was, was it because it is true? Or because, oh, I'm telling you that because in reality, the first person that he sees at some point, he's going to end up eating. But still, you would have loved to have seen that character come back and join in the fight. Because where did he go? Here comes this big rancor that Boba Fett did claim he was going to ride, but that was another person they could have brought into the fight, and that was a character that would love to have seen a little bit more of. Yeah, that was... that actor I think appears in everything Robert Rodriguez does. <laughs> yeah, and so I think my guess is, hey, you got to be in an episode. You know, here's a contract. You know, one episode. Yeah. You know, I don't. I I think that's really the only reason we saw that character. Uh, I like him. I, I know he was like cool. He, yeah, yeah, he was a cool character. And I, I've heard some people say, you know, because the idea of of uh, Grogu showing up at the end felt a little forced. And he's the one that kind of, you know, has this connection at the end with the Rancor. Mm-hmm. Right. 
and so people were like, well, you already introduced a Rancor trainer. Why not? Why didn't you just have that guy show up? But you didn't necessarily need Grogu there. But right, or having yeah. Boba Fett be the one to calm down the Rancor, given that yep. he he had to establish this relationship with the Rancor. It, it's just it's as again as much as I love the Mandalorian and I love Grogu, it just it was too bad that Boba wasn't the one doing these things in his own show. Right. I don't know. So, so me, once Boba would ask you a question, go ahead. A question for I'll, Aaron. I'll start with you. So you, you said you, you don't feel like Boba got, you know, a fair showing. Would you want to see a season two and see another, you know, try it, Boba Fett having his own show? Not really. I, I hope to see him again in other, you know, in other shows, you know, he shows up, but I don't know that I think maybe they've shown he doesn't, he doesn't have the ability to carry his own show. And I don't know if that's because the character or the actor, but I don't know that I, I'm not pining for a season two of this. I I'm, I'm fine. They, they gave a season one and overall I would say I did like it, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I'm looking for a season two and especially, especially if it's going to be the same creative team working on it. Mm-hmm. Cause then I think we get same, more of the same. What do you think, Steven? I mean, I think the key for me is the piece you just said. I would love to see another season with Boba Fett. I do think they can make him an interesting character that is worth watching. I I don't think this is the creative team to bring that to the screen. Um, Or at least this season did not give me any uh, confidence that a second season would be better. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, if they were to bring, if they were to do a second season, go back and watch what they did in the first season of Mandalorian when they introduced Boba Fett and how that was done and how he was basically how his fighting style and, and bring that Boba Fett into season two. And if you are going to make him a crime Lord, make him a crime Lord. Because that's the one thing for me that lacked. He didn't feel like a crime lord. Didn't feel like the Don. Didn't feel like the Godfather. Felt nothing like that. Yeah. I, I'll say I, I agree with with everything you've all said. I mean, I think you know, as it is, I'm I enjoyed it. You know, if they released the second season, I would watch it, but I wouldn't necessarily say I'm like, oh, I, I want another season. You know, I feel like we. They kind of they they did they they gave us that backstory, uh, you know, for for Boba Fett and kind of explained how he got out of the Sarlacc and that sort of thing. Um, but if he's just kind of doing more of the same, I guess I don't know. I I I would want to see them do something else, and I I think that was also part of my somewhat disappointment with the series too, in that the flashbacks were really interesting, got a lot of great backstory for his character, but then. Um, you know, we, they hardly had scratched the surface in the present. And then they go to, they all of a sudden out of nowhere, just as soon as the, they they make it very clear at the end of chapter four, that the flashbacks are done. He's fully healed. And I was like, okay, this is great. Now we're going to get some more of Boba Fett in the present. And then we got two episodes of the Mandalorian, which again, I loved those episodes, but it was, uh, it, it did not progress Boba's story in the, the present at all. And by the time we got back, it was just a big battle and it was over. And I was like, I feel like they haven't 
spend any time in the present and really get it to, to dig into the the politics or or the the intrigue of the underworld or understand oh you know who is controlling the pikes why do the pikes want to be on the planet aside from just having a route through the desert um that kind of stuff would have been so fascinating and or maybe how boba's struggling more than on just a very surface level because I, I actually went back and i i was like okay i wonder how much that I didn't really feel like they made much progress in the present. Not, not much happened. And so I went back and I, I made a list of everything that, that happened in the, the present part of the show, right? And basically, when the show starts, a bunch of people come to pay respects to Boba. And they just disrespect him. And so Boba goes and roams the streets and almost gets assassinated. Uh, and he visits the sanctuary. He visits City Hall and then goes back to the sanctuary a second time. And then he goes back home and the huts arrive and you, th- or right before he goes back home, the huts arrive and you think, oh, they're going to be the antagonists. And then they're not, they just kind of disappear. And in the meantime, Boba goes on an errand with the watermonger and helps the mods. And he goes mm-hmm. home, Kersantan attacks him in the back to tank. And then the huts arrive. He gives back Kersantan. They're gone for good. They're disappeared from the show. And then we have that big, chase with the mods and the major domo he goes back to the sanctuary sees you know kersantan and hires him meets with all the heads of the crime families and they have a big battle and that's it like it was it was very i felt like you could have done it in maybe an episode with the exception of the fact that the fight scene was the big the big battle at the end was you know an extended battle so maybe with two episodes it just didn't feel like it felt like just when the show was starting to get on its feet and it just kind of ended. And I was like, oh, that's that's it? And, and to the point earlier, I just ended up, that made it feel very small. It felt like it was maybe, I don't know, 40 minutes of content in the present before the battle. Mm-hmm. This is why I love you, William. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sitting here going, uh, boy, you remembered more than I did. Yeah, at that point. You made a, when you, as soon as you said you made a list, I got, I got really excited. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> But oh, yeah, yeah, and they leave us in a weird spot too because at the end, Boba, you know, kind of turns to Finnick and is like, "Yeah, we're not suited for this." So they're kind of implying that he's kind of done. Okay, he's kind of yeah. done. Being Thank you. Yeah, I, I talked yeah, to so many go. people about this, and most people don't seem to agree with me, but I'm glad you do. It totally sounds yeah, like I, he's quitting, right? I yeah. still don't get it, but yeah. There's at least there's two of you, so <laughs> no, no, no. Make it three. Throw yeah. me in there. Oh, so no, I'm the odd one out. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I mean, he out. does say that, right? What, why would he say that line? Yeah, he says. Yeah. He, he, yeah, sorry, I, let me look at my notes because I, I wrote it down. Uh, <laughs> be, Sounds like well, you guys you already have the show this notes, show notes? without me. He said. He said we're not suited for us for this. And Fennec says, if not us, then who? These are my notes from last week. And then the camera pans to Kersantan and the mods. That's but like a clear, uh, like, you know, no. you know, but they're which one was destroyed? No, the master, no. the apprentice pan to Palpatine, you know, like, <laughs> Oh yeah. They're, they're going to, they're going to leave the town in the hands of Kersantan and the, and, and the mods. Okay. The bus, the, the Mos Espa Vespas are going <laughs> to run that town. Yes. What it, what it probably don't... is. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. <clears throat> Yeah, that, ahead, what it probably is is just that uh, they want they know they're going to want to bring Boba Fett back into the Mandalorian season three or four, and at some point, like, oh, you know what? We'll just we'll just write a line that undoes 
the entire show we you just watched. And then that way when they show up, both will be like, yeah, it didn't suit us. And then that's it. And then that, we get to wonder why we watched the show in the first place. That's what I felt like. Yeah, that's same. when the show wow. ended and he said that line. I was like, okay, they're not they're done with him doing this. And they're going to utilize him in the future as kind of more of a free agent. You know, yeah. he'll be able to show up wherever they want him to. You know, maybe he's bounty hunting again. Uh, who knows what he's doing? But if you keep him in this role, then he's stuck on Tatooine mm-hmm. in a right. kind of a boring situation. Whereas if you just say, okay, he tried the whole thing, didn't work out for him, handed it off to other people, and then he went on and kind of did his own thing and became a, a little bit more of a, a wild card that's a more interesting Boba Fett to me. So I'm kind of like, well, if you're going to do a season two, it better not be more of this. Like, you know, let him take the, take his ship and go out into the galaxy and do some cool stuff. And I think that's probably what's bet. What's better for Boba Fett. He is basically spacefaring. If you take a look at everything that happened in, in rebels and clone wars and, and, and he doesn't belong stationary on a planet. He belongs on his ship in space, doing Boba Fett things. That's why it's so weird to me that they chose this path. I mean, I think it would have been, I think I would have been, I would have loved to see, you know, him escape the Sarlacc. Like either as a flashback or in the present day and then fast forward, right? And then he escapes the Sarlacc, make friends with the Tuscans if you want to change him and have him, you know, try to be a nicer guy or something. And then let him go off and have some adventures in the galaxy and you would have then gotten a variety of environments rather than just Tatooine. You would have gotten, a, I think a much more compelling story or, and if you want to stay on Tatooine, bring in the pikes and are they being controlled by the, you know, the, um, uh, uh Crimson Dawn or what's left of Crimson Dawn still, you know, could Kira be, in, be running it. There's so many interesting things they could have done and it just felt small. I don't know. It felt under budget. Or I, maybe uh, it was at budget, I think, was the issue. And honestly, I think, I could be completely wrong here, but Tatooine is very, I suspect, very cheap to go to do. It's a it's a giant desert, and they know they can do it in the volume. It's some, you know, simple buildings uh, and a lot of repeated uh, structures. Um, and so maybe that's why, and they'd already built it for the Mandalorian, and Kenobi will probably use a lot of that too. And so I wonder if it was just like a, hey, we can do this in a very inexpensive way and get the show out there. Just as long as they make the place look a little bit more dirty, because it yeah. did look just a little too clean. Yeah. I'd have no problem if, you, you know, Obi-Wan's going to be on Tatooine. They may get him off, but the majority hopefully would be on Tatooine because he's supposed to be guarding Luke. But just make it dirtier. Make it look like, you know, what we are used to when we've seen Tatooine in the past and have Anakin complain, there's sand. It gets everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So before we wrap up, just let's go uh, do a quick uh, round table, you know, round uh, through all of us on a couple quick questions. Let's start with what was your favorite episode of the season? Aaron, you want to start? Oh man, it it all blurs together. It might be hard to pull out. <laughs> okay, <next>. favorite <laughs> moment. Favorite moment. Let's do favorite moment. I did like the I did like that they brought in I, I hope I say his name right, Black Chrysanthemum mm-hmm. uh, 
that was a cool moment because as someone who reads the comics and doesn't get to see a lot of comic characters show up in live action, that was surprising. And uh, at first I didn't even believe it was him. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's cool that they brought in a similar looking Wookiee, but I'm not going to jump out and say it's him until somebody, I hear somebody say his name. And so, you know, when they actually, you know, said, oh, that was actually him. The moments that he was in, the fight with Boba Fett, you know, kind of in, you know, when he ripped off the Trandoshan's arm in a, in a later episode, like, I I thought that that character was a cool addition to the lore in the live action. So, I, you know, I hope they bring him, in, you know, into other things. But, um, yeah, so I would say that was kind of the standout thing for me, probably in the show. Steven, what would you say? I guess favorite moment or favorite character? We could We could do both, too. Uh, so favorite moment, I think for me was probably the, uh, the like rituals with the Tuscans in episode two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the I'm nose actually, lizard. no, not the nose lizard. <laughs> that was like, weird. Like, when, I forgot so about weird. that. Forgot the, about that the bonding and like the, the Tuscan like singing and dancing ritual at the end of the episode was one of those things where I was like, this is, I don't really know what I'm watching, but this is really, really cool. Um, I guess I would also put into that list uh, of favorite moments, like the meatpacking fight sequence was really, really well done. I just have trouble putting that as like my actual favorite moment when I don't feel like it was a moment out of this season. Mm-hmm. You're like, what's your favorite moment of the Boba Fett show? And it's like, ah, the, it was the episode where Boba Fett didn't show up at all. You're right. I was so, not even considering those those episodes. And like, I, I don't think consciously because they just they don't feel like they were part of the show, but. Yeah. Anyway, what about you, Tom? I think the best moment for me was the lone man walking in the desert with the hat on his head <laughs> toward um, toward Cad uh, uh, toward Cobb Vanth, and then watching the defeat, possibly, of Cad Bane, and that fight where, we, in my opinion, we actually got to see Boba Fett be Boba Fett like we first saw him when he was taking out all those stormtroopers back in the Mandalorian season. Those two are my favorite moments. Um, yeah. So, and also the one thing I did appreciate, Aaron, I agree with you when it comes to Black Chrysanthemum, I remember him, I think, from the Dr. Afra audiobooks, not so much from the comics. Uh, and I think even the one, uh, the one book, he's in there with her. So, but I, I did not know that was him until they said his name. In the comics, he has like a fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine. Oh. So there's, he's like, he's one of those characters in the comics that kind of has been sprinkled with throughout, but yeah, definitely in the, in the uh, Dr. Afro comics, probably more than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I love that they did that. that. That's one of the things I loved about this show is that they brought in Kersantan. They brought in Cad Bane, you know, that, that Tom was probably one of my favorite moments too. Mm-hmm. Um, when Cad Bane shows up, he stole every scene he was in. And I, I, yeah. I am a huge Cad Bane fan. He's one of my favorite characters from the Clone Wars. And, you know, Cad, Cad Bane, Hondo Inaka, and Ahsoka Tano. Not in that order, but just, you know, some of the, some of the three best characters from the new, new characters from the Clone Wars. And it was, it was amazing. I loved seeing it. Uh, I was sad when he died, in theory. Um, in theory. I, I, I still say that's in like, theory. You guys talked about it probably on your episode where you reviewed that that episode. But what's what's the consensus? What do you guys think? Um, I think he did not die 
I think that uh, we're going to see Toto, T-O-D-O, at some point. Because the other thing that I had to go back and watch, because, again, I read everything on the Internet and everybody knows it's true. That on his breastplate, there is a flashing light that's flashing after he uh, gets impaled. So if that is supposed to be a clue, like people think, that could be a signal for somebody to come get him and we'll probably see him in a back-to-tank or maybe a different version of the mods grab him and do a mod thing to him. Don't know. Flashing light could just be an indicator that you're dead. Yeah. That could be too. I mean, anything. <laughs> it, on, honestly, Aaron. Suit failure. Honestly. <laughs> it's, it's one of the... Well, th- that's the one thing right now. Phoenix Shan did get modded and came back. Then Cobb Vanth looks like he's coming back. So... And then we've seen Darth Maul come back. So you're looking at this going, is he gone and will he not come back? Or was that an indication that possibly he could be coming back and it's an out and you never know and we'll see. But the one thing, William, I find fascinating, you mentioned three characters that basically uh, have come from animation or three characters in animation. We're missing a third in live action. We've got two. We're missing we have, one. We of those have one in animatronic it's... action, but <laughs> yeah, that's true. But anyway, yes, we're yeah. off top. Yeah, no. So yeah, that that. So I guess those are my favorite characters. I I did. I, I get all of the criticism and the, the the valid criticism around the Grogu, you know, the Grogu's training. But at the same time, I loved seeing Luke. You know, as as even though it was you know a little bit of the uncanny valley. Seeing Luke in, you know, Jedi Master mode training a new Jedi was just cool. I, I, I think it's something we've all always wanted to see. And so I was glad they were able to to make that happen. Um, there's a lot of, I really liked about about this, you know. Uh, I, I Seeing Cobb Vanth again was really cool. Um, I, I do like him a lot. I thought, he, I even liked him more, I think, in this series than in The Mandalorian uh season two so i don't know it's it's cool uh there's a lot of good stuff mm-hmm. yeah definitely and it, can can i bring yeah, up yeah, a couple go, yeah, topics jump, so yeah, go ahead. Time. add some more yeah uh, i was just wondering about the so the dark saber oh yes and i was wondering about the kind of attempt to take the dark saber from him from what was the guy's name i'm forgetting the, the other yeah. Yeah. Like the true believer group. It, the whole idea of I liked that scene. It was cool. It was cool to see the fights. But I was kind of like it felt odd that this, you know, he shows up with the dark saber and then this this guy is just like, you know what? I'm going to take my shot now and try to kill one of the last Mandalorians. Uh, so I can take his his blade from him to do what I'm not sure what his intentions were there because it seems like from from that kind of sect of Mandalorians they really think there's only a couple of them left right there's you know the two true believers that are left so who is he going to necessarily rule over but I th- I found that whole sequence very odd. William, would you like to take this one? <laughs> sure. Um... No, I, you're right. At first, I thought that was weird, too. My theory, and this is a theory, I don't know, I'd love to hear what everybody else thinks, is that uh, this is, the, the, the Darksaber was created by a Vizsla, mm-hmm. and so maybe he sees it as like a family heirloom that was stolen from them, and he just 
he wants it back and instead of asking nicely he because he's a mandalorian decides to duel to the death i don't know it's it was a little it was a little bit like just three of you like chillax for a minute hold on let let him hold on to it it's not that big a deal i don't know he was clearly trying to kill him yeah and and it was funny too because there was a couple times where he was like gonna do the killing blow against mando and the armor didn't say a word but then the arm, then Mando gets the advantage and is a, he got his knife to the guy's neck and is about to do his killing blow. And the armor is like, all right, guys, that's enough. So it was almost like she was kind of cool with Mando dying, too, because she didn't stop the fight until her minion was about to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but that was that was the one thing they brought up when it came to the Darksaber, because it w- the armor brought up Bo-Katan technically didn't win that saber. It was given to her by Sabine Wren. And that basically tarnished the saber. Now, when it comes to the Visla, his motivation was because it was created in his family line, he is the one that is should be wielding that saber to basically rule Mandalore. So that was his motivation to go with the saber because the only way he could have won it and get rid of the um, the the get rid of the Bo-Katan, let's say, curse on it, because it wasn't won properly, was to basically take it from Mando and kill him, because that way that's the only way to really earn it. Yeah. 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 So, I don't know. I, I That whole group, the Mandalorians, the whole, like, can't take your helmet off and stuff, that all really annoys me. <laughs> and I'd kind of, I as cool as I think the armor is as a character, I don't put a lot of credence into like her opinion about things because mm-hmm. i think they're such a small kind of offshoot of of the mandalorians i'm much more on you know bo katan side of things like yeah. all right those are the real mandalorians to me this this little religious group they can they can just stay in their little cave and i don't really necessarily need to see them again and i suspect <laughs> mandalorian season three may be about how you know now that he's been kicked out of this small sect of the the watch that that season three will be about how he unites all of Mandalore and brings them back to, to Bo-Katan's way of thinking. And that he, Din Djarin kind of comes to the realization that, Oh, this, this way I was brought up where you can't remove your helmet. And you know, it's, it's more of a, almost like a cult is not, uh, is not really the right, right way to do things. And there is, there's a better way. And, uh, so I, I, that's where I suspect the series will go in the third season. Who knows? I could be wrong, but real quick, favorite director from the show. We we uh, we had oh. Robert Rodriguez did three episodes. He did the first, the third, and the finale. Uh, Steph Green did the sec- second episode. Uh, Kevin Tancherone did chapter four. They're both brand new to Star Wars directing, Steph Green and, and Kevin Tancherone. Bryce Dallas Howard did Return of the Mandalorian, followed by Dave Filoni in chapter six. Anybody have a favorite? If you don't have a favorite, that's fine too. Uh, I'll start. My favorite, ew, it's a tie. Probably Dave Filoni's episode was my favorite, but Bryce Dallas Howard's episode was ooh, perfect as well. Just from a direct easy. direction standpoint. It, easy for me. It's Bryce Dallas Howard followed by Dave Filoni. Oh, yeah. 
if I had to pick one, I'd say Bryce Dallas Howard's episode was the best. I also think she was given the best material to work yes. with. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, totally, totally. It kind of helps. And I don't think she's like the second coming of whatever and going to be, should direct every Star Wars movie for now on, which is kind of the gist I get from Twitter uh, <laughs> about her. But yeah, she did a great job. I think she's also good and should continue to get more, yeah. more episodes. But I'll say I thought Steph Green did a really good job as well. And a good example of uh, maybe not the best script to go with, um, but I thought the directing on the episode was pretty solid. Yeah. Awesome. Well, any any other parting thoughts before we get into our series? I and mean, we could talk about this forever. There's so much to discuss, but, you know, there's uh, only uh, we, we can't stay here forever talking about it. But uh, any any parting thoughts before we go into our our series ratings season ratings i don't really know i'm good okay well in that case tom do you want to oh kick you things would. off <laughs> ah. you know what there's really not more not much more for me to say about all this i think i'm just gonna say i'm giving the whole series a 7.5. Um, the best episodes I have to say were the, were the two Mandalorian episodes. I, I really do. Um, and when it came to the Boba Fett, I really feel that you have this really good character that was so bad. A, when you first saw him on screen back on, you know, empire strikes back, everything like that. And this, it seems like when it came to this, you had an idea of what you wanted to do with him. But after the first or second page, you lost track of what you wanted to do with him. And I think that suffered. I think between he and Finnick Shand, I Finnick Shand, I would have loved to have seen her at least engage uh, Cad Bane because I think that would have been a lot more fun to watch. And I also think to a certain extent, Finnick Shand was a little bit more of an interesting character in some cases than Boba Fett himself. Um, but I'm giving the episode, the, the, the whole season a 7.5. I find it interesting if they would do another, uh, let's say chapter of this, how they do it, what they do would be interesting. If they do, hopefully they wouldn't lose their way when they start writing what they want to do with the character. Cause in a way that's kind of how I feel when it came to this. So I, I'm giving it a seven five, and my seven point five Womp Rats. I think what they're going to do is they're going to be in Mos Espa, trying to perfect their spins, and firing at the same time. That's it. Oh, Stephen, what would you uh, rate this season? So I've been going back and forth a little bit. I th I think the thing that sums up for me is you 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 hear the the axiom. Whatever I forget the, I can't remember the word that means the like summarized wisdom axiom maybe axiom whatever I was gonna say idiom, idiom that's the word uh, ah like, thank you <laughs> thank you Tom uh, it's late trying to make a pun about I'm an idiot for not remembering the idiom but whatever laugh at that 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 was my joke um, but there's there's the idiom which is you know the the whole is the greater than the sum of its parts and I feel like. Book of Boba Fett season one is the antithesis of that. I think it is, uh, w the whole is worse than the even the sum of its individual parts. 
Um, if you go back and listen, I think, to each of our individual episodes, there's some of the things that we complain about or weren't as, uh, you know, we thought could have been done better. Um, but I think taken together, it is actually a worse show than watching any individual episode. And that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it. Um, like, just about anything Star Wars I can probably end up enjoying. Um, and I like Boba Fett as a character, and I like Mandalorian as a character, and they did good things here. I just wish they had picked a story to tell and then told it in an entertaining way. Um, like, I've talked about, you know, like, the prequel movies, you know, episodes one, two, and three are a great story told poorly. The sequel trilogy is a poor story told greatly. Um, and I feel like this was a poor story told poorly. Um, there were, way, like, if we got in some of the really cool Boba Fett fight scenes that we got in Mandalorian Season 2, I think I would have rated the season higher. Um, the story may not have been there, but at least it would have been more enjoyable to watch. As it was, it just kind of felt lacking to me. Um, and I realized I didn't actually say it. I think I'm going to give it a 5.5 out of 10. Because, um, yeah, just I'm, ended, I'm walking away a little bit disappointed. Um, but I'm going to put my Womp Rats to work. Uh, they're going to start writing Season 2, which I still honestly hope we get. And um, that it can kind of turn this around. Like, this, this wouldn't be the first Star Wars show that has had a kind of a rocky first season um and you know we've seen what you know dave filoni can do when given time um what john favreau can do when given time so i kind of hope that we get more of this and we get a chance to make boba fett into the really cool character we know he can be yeah no it's um i i, I agree with many of what much of what both of you said the you know the the show is um, I really liked many of the individual episodes. Uh, in fact, like the Mandalorian episodes of the Mandalorian are, were, were, were great. Um, chapter four was very good, even though it, I felt like it, it kind of skipped over a lot of, you know, they, they spent a lot of time looking at talking about how they needed to get Boba Fett's armor. And then just all of a sudden he magically had it. And they skipped forward to the present again. The fight scene at the end was, was, was really entertaining in many ways. Um, but I think the the thing that we've talked about pretty extensively throughout this review is that the the structure of the show just made for a a, a more challenging narrative. It was the, the way they structured it, the way the, the the plot, the overall story was much smaller. I guess there was there's a lot of uh, untapped potential from the show, and I think that's probably the uh, the most disappointing thing is that we know Boba Fett's a cool character and it could have been so much cooler and it could have been so much grander and just felt very small and low stakes and in many ways uh, low scope or uh, almost low budget, but not exactly. Because like on a technical level, the show did a very good job, right? The action was usually very well, it was usually very well shot, very well edited. The special effects were great, all that stuff. Um, you know, it's, it's like the fundamentals are there. It's just mostly the story and a little bit of the acting, et cetera. Um, the, I, I think that one of the things the show suffered from was the, the, the tendency to want to over explain everything. And as Star Wars fans, we love to, we love to get the backstory on everything, but I guess the, 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 we knew in the Mandalorian season two that Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc. We didn't see exactly how, but we knew he did survive it. We knew that Fennec Shand had survived and had this mechanical uh, 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 abdomen. We, again, we didn't really know why or how, but that, that was the case. Um, 
you know, we knew he got his ship back, all that kind of stuff. And and a large portion of this the season was dedicated to showing us things we already knew. And it went about it in a way that wasn't necessarily surprising. It was just like, as you watched, I was like, yep, okay, makes sense. Like, they did, they did a good job showing it, and it's pretty much what I thought. And I think the same is true even for, <clears throat> sorry, for, um, you know, for Solo, a Star Wars story where, you know, they, it, it felt like it was like checking off a lot of the boxes. We had to see this. We had to see that. And Rogue One, at least, did it in a way that was surprising and fresh and unique, uh, whereas I feel like Solo and in particular Book of Boba Fett was very much, okay, yep, um, I that's kind of what I expected and that's exactly what I saw. And so I think that combined with the lower stakes made it just, and the fact that at the end Boba seemingly gives up everything he's just worked for um, made it kind of feel like, okay, well, I guess it was nice to see it, but it wasn't that impactful overall. Um, and so as a result, I think I'm going to give, uh, uh, I would rate the first season, uh, six and a half Womp Rats. It was good. It was enjoyable. I, I, I would, you know, I would watch it again. I, I thought the, you know, inclusion of the Mandalorian episodes were, was odd, but I loved those episodes. Um, and I'm very curious to see how they handle this with the Mandalorian going forward and whether how the other shows cross over, um, so yeah, I guess I'm kind of I'm kind of splitting the Grogu here and uh, uh, going right down the the middle of your your two reviews so far. I'm, I'm going to give it six and a half Womp Rats out of ten, and uh, these six and a half Womp Rats, uh, well, they're they're helping Cad Bane because he is, you know, he's fantastic, and they they're actually the ones who rescue Cad Bane and bring him back to life. <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> Aaron, what what do you think? Bring us home. I think the the Mandalorian TV show set the bar so high mm-hmm. that no matter what the next thing that came along was going to feel like maybe a little bit of a disappointment. And I try I try to remember that and the expectations coming in, you know, with the Mandalorian being so great, also Boba Fett's character just being such a popular character that we really wanted it to be something that it didn't turn out to be. And I think that's kind of like coloring people's opinions about the show. Mm. And I, so I tried to rewatch it over the weekend. I didn't get all the way through, but I I rewatched most of it. And, and it definitely is better on a rewatch and, and it's definitely better on a, you know, you stop one episode, pick up the next, as opposed to waiting one week and kind of having a lot of time to kind of set your expectations. And so it's if you had asked me to rate this after seeing the the final episode and not rewatching anything, I probably would have rated it lower. But I did realize that as I was starting to go through the rewatches, like, you know what? I'm kind of liking that. Like, I'm digging some of this stuff. I like that they took some risks with the character. I, I did like the Tuscan stuff. I wish they had done more with it, maybe, or made it more relevant. But I did like some of those scenes. Uh, and so there was a lot of cool stuff in this show. I think the execution was clumsy all around but at the same time i was entertained and to see boba fett back in his armor is something that i never expected that we would see anyway so just getting that you know that opportunity was pretty cool and i think the show you know sometimes we can't really compare like oh well it's not as good as mandalorian well it's it's not supposed to be 
at least my take on it is they weren't trying to just redo the Mandalorian with different characters. I think that they wanted it to have a different tone and, and we definitely got a different tone for good or for good or bad. So, so in the end, trying to be fair to the show and maybe being a little biased because I like Boba Fett, I'm not going to give it necessarily a negative review, but I'd say I'm kind of along the lines of William 6.5 sounds about right for me that I'm not quite at a seven, uh, but I don't want us to be down in the fives. So I think six and a half uh, Womp Rats is, is what I would do with it. So did you guys already make like a mod joke with the Womp Rats in previous episodes? <laughs> Probably. You know what? Go ahead. I, I was going to say I, like I, my half Womp Rat, you know, got ripped in half by the uh, sand monster and they put them back together with the mod stuff. So something like that. <laughs> yeah, we've we've laid in a little heavy on the mods. I'm I'm trying to be nice I figured, this time. Yeah, yeah I, I figured you guys kind of had plenty of conversations about the mods because if I had to pick out one thing in the show that was absolutely the worst and they shouldn't have never done is is bring those characters are, in. Are we on the mod part now? Like we got another hour yeah. just on this topic, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Please, please don't. Please do not get me started. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, man. The, uh, the mods. <laughs> you know, the funny but, thing is, n- now that we talk about it, I, I almost want to lower my score. <laughs> oh, no, no. So, William. I'm not going when to. Are, when are we coming back? I mean, this is another show under in the books. I guess this is the book. So we're closing the book on the show, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, we'll be back soon with our next episode. We haven't scheduled it yet, but maybe the next couple weeks. Um there's a lot of um, books coming out. There's, uh, of course, we keep talking about we want to go back and do our rewatch of the original Gendy Tarkovsky Clone Wars series. Yes. So we've got a little bit of time. Uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show uh, debuts May 25th. In theory, the Bad Batch might be back in the spring, according to Star Wars Insider, or it might be back later in the year. So we'll see. We're going to just take a break for a couple weeks, uh, but we'll be back very soon uh, with our review of, well, we'll surprise you. Well, also, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron, thank you for joining us. We it, It's been a pleasure to have you on, and we always love having you on. Oh, anytime. You guys are my favorite podcast to come on. Oh, thank you. That's so, Thank you. I that's love the so conversation. Nice so I'm excited for uh, future shows to come out and maybe be able to jump on and talk about some Obi-Wan or some Andor. Oh, yeah. Oh, anytime, man. Heck, yeah. Actually, you know what? We're... I'm sure we're going to do a live show at Star Wars Celebration from the, or at least record all in the same room um, and talk about Kenobi. So uh, if timing works out, the celebration is always a crazy time, but maybe we should get a whole bunch of us in there and, and talk through our, our thoughts on the series premieres. So. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to see you guys at celebration. It's, it feels like it's been forever since I've seen another star Wars fan. <laughs> yeah. Because of this whole, you know, COVID thing and not having conventions. And so, and I know a lot of people aren't going, you know, because of stuff. So it'll be, I'm glad there are some people going and I'm glad you guys are going. So yeah. I'm excited to hang out. I'm just looking forward to talking star Wars. I just, I just want to talk star Wars with People who want to talk Star Wars. That's what I'm really looking forward to. And also to, also to see you guys, too. I haven't seen anybody in, like, I don't know how long, you know, because of all this. Yeah. I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all of you, too. And so, uh, yeah, Celebration can't be here soon enough. So yep. it'll, be, it'll be fun. 
Aaron, thank you again for for joining us. Really appreciate it. It's always a f- pleasure having you on as well. Do you want to tell people where they can uh, where they can find more from you? Sure, mainly podcasts. Um, so I do Star Wars Bookworms, which is a Star Wars literature podcast. Like I said, we've kind of been on a bit of a hiatus, but we'll be coming back with some High Republic stuff because that seems like what's dominating Star Wars literature right now. And um, yeah, so we'll have episodes coming, you know, within the next couple months. And then I also do a couple other podcasts. I do a, ba- a Doctor Who podcast called Bad Wolf Radio. So if you're into Doctor Who, check that out. And then uh, I do one with, I think somebody you guys know, Riley Blanton, mm-hmm. who? who does uh, Mouse <laughs> and Castle with I, me. I was, is... <laughs> was going to ask, when is the next one? Because I'm waiting for the new, next one on my feed. I love that somebody's waiting. Yeah, I don't. I am. We, we always say, wonder yeah. if people listen, but no, it's. Uh, it, we've also been on a bit of a hiatus because of you know Riley's just got a very uh, busy work life right now with transitions and stuff. So, but we are definitely coming back with more episodes. So um, okay, good. You know, keep it. Keep an eye out for that. I I, I like your guys' opinion. I, I really enjoy listening to your show. Oh, good to hear. I didn't know you were a listener, Tom. So I I am. It's cool. a great I show. I, there there is there is very few of those shows I listen to. And you guys are definitely one of them. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. Appreciate you coming on as always. Looking forward to seeing you in just a couple months at Celebration. Yep. And uh, yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks with our next episode. May the force be with you. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.